A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Happy Pride weekend and indeed Pride Month to all who celebrate. I was listening to George Michael's Outside before we started the show. Uh, hell of a track and I know someone who will agree with me on this. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been over a month. He's out of COVID jail. There have been all kinds of escapades and ups and downs. But I give you the return of Cravement. Let's go outside. Let's go outside. Let's go outside. Craig Fitzpatrick. Craig Fitzpatrick, you're back. I, I very much approve of the Craveman's nickname. Um, thus christened from me seeing pavement <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and then getting COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, that was last week's guest host, Royal guest co-host Royal Yellow, Mark O'Brien, who up, yeah. christened you Craveman. Mark had an amazing like almost 10 minute monologue reviewing Primavera. As a matter of fact, a friend of the show, Mark Conroy, messaged me and he was like, I could listen to Royal Yellow tell stories all day long. And I was he like, was yeah. a bit too good. And Colin, the previous week, it was like there were two episodes where I was like, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I mean, Although, to be fair, I felt uncomfortable when you did that episode alone, Dave, where you just did songs of the year or whatever. Let's I was not like, flash back to that one. Feel a bit jealous of that empty room. Ever. <laughs> um, in fairness, you had Fanula Jones on before that, so I had to come back with equally big guns. And yeah, the combined power of Mark O'Brien and Colin Morrigan, I think, just about did it. But, Craig, we haven't done a show together in over a month. This is outrageous. Between holidays and, you know, festivals and COVID and all that kind of jazz, 
how the hell have you been? How are you feeling now? Your voice sounds a bit husky. How was Primavera? Like, this podcast is not sponsored by Primavera, but I feel like I need to ask for yet another review, or at least just take it's me through. It's sponsored by Binance, the Bitcoin <laughs> affiliate that also sponsors Primavera. No, it isn't. It was a roller coaster. I don't even know how to answer that question because it's been so long and I've gone through so much. There's been, like, Cravement. There's been just general Prima Craig. There's been post-strokes letdown Craig. There's been COVID Craig. Uh, we're now on Husky, dare I say it's sexy, Craig? Is Craig it? Classic. Um, there was Craig also, classic. There was also a gravement when it sounded like you were potentially, you know, going go, going for the chop. I mean, when I spoke to you... Gravement. I love how that bears pretty much no resemblance to my name. I'm just Craig. trying to, to work like the nickname remove, into, like a, into a pun-based no scenario. Um, when I called you a couple weeks ago, you sounded rough and i said on the podcast last week i don't know if you'll appreciate it but i was like craig's not the kind of guy he works he he, he guts through it he but, works but you he works <laughs> he's a good capitalist <laughs> you're in bits man i was yeah and i was kind of got you were saying i was going it sounded like i was going a bit howard hughes which um would be fitting with our top five songs of about isolation i was hit like a truck by covid yeah that's the positive day after i got back and it was just did you ever see the film um, A Field in England? Ben I haven't seen that, no. It didn't look great. Okay. It, it's quite good, actually. I saw a few years ago. It's like this psychological, psychedelic, like medieval England horror thing. And my time in my room was essentially me in that film playing out every role. It was, it was, there was like fever dreams of Sanya I didn't know if I was coming or going. You said you had hallucinations um, at one stage. I was like, Jesus, I didn't have that side effect. It wasn't really hallucinations in terms of like seeing stuff, but it was, you know, that kind of waking dreaming thing where you're just like, is this actually happening or what's reality? It was just, it was just fever stuff and I wasn't eating. Um, it wasn't great, to be honest. Primavera was good though. Was it worth it? Possibly. I also want to clear up, by the way, I didn't queue up for Phoenix the day before I came home from 4pm to midnight, <laughs> which it did sound like that from my recording. Um, I queued from 4 to a bit after 6 and then got into the, the amphitheatre venue and then there was some very, very good bands until midnight when Phoenix finally came on, but there was a lot of standing and it was post-festival. It probably wasn't the best move in, in retrospect, but it was... Damn good. It's really good. You um you teased some urinal based anecdote that we've been waiting oh God, two weeks I can't even for remember now. that now. Oh yeah. So essentially, um I thought they were getting like pretty innovative. Like so essentially Primavera didn't have much in the way of like water fountains or, you know, competent bar staff, but you could get like um your very own flower NFT from Binance if you wanted. <laughs> They're still sending me messages about this. And I thought they were getting quite futuristic as well with the toilet situation. Um, so I went into one toilet area and there was these like elevated urinals. Have you seen these things? No, I haven't. It's like a kind of pod thing, right? It's up on a platform and there's like four of them and you've got like a weight above waist high kind of thing that blocks you off and you just go and stand and do your business, which is grand. So I was like, oh, there was a guy kind of availing of it. So like I, I hopped on, did my thing. Weird view. Because, like, you're elevated in the middle of, like, a toilet area. So you're just, like, look, gazing down upon people. And you all unisex as well. Because, you know, Barcelona, I guess. And um, people coming and going. I was like, oh, okay, grand. Did the job. Used it for about a day and a half. Final day of the festival, I walked in. Had a bit of a better look. And um, 
there was two heads just below the tops of the things. And I'm just like, what, are, what are, are those people using the thing? And I realized, oh, yes, it was it was female people using it because it was female <laughs> toilets for squatting in. Craig, no. <laughs> Hence, like not being able, yeah. And then I realized it was pink. And I was like, I've been using, I don't know what you call them, female urinals? Oh, man. I didn't get cancelled anyway. Is there some it was kind an of honest fucking, mistake. Is there like a the police bravery. report in Spain out for this dashing looking man who's doing hard? That's wild. Oh man, like social anxiety like like strikes me in pretty much every situation, but this one? No. No thanks. I did have a lovely moment at an actual urinal with a gentleman and a few other gents <laughs> at one point because it was so crammed. It just like, it took ages to kind of get anywhere. And we were all availing of the urinal and the guy directly opposite me just stared, made direct eye contact with me as Nick Cave launched into Into My Arms and just went, <laughs> I've been waiting for this song for two years. <laughs> as he was like about half a mile from it. And I'm just like, this is the moment we've been waiting for, man. And we all started singing. It was great. Well, the last time I went to a urinal at a gig was my Chemical Romance. <laughs> and when I was coming out of it, some guy was like, Dave? And I was like, hey. And he was like, a no encore fan. And I think I hooked him. I, I that I man I was Jared him. Way. I, I can't remember, but that man was Jared Way. Um, but yeah, magical things can happen, you know? They really can. On it was great. Oh, you like, it, it, it nearly was a disaster. Strokes obviously didn't play. You're going to Glasgow, um, though, was- to see them? I'm going to Glasgow in two weeks for like a day to see the strokes. <laughs> and like the rest of the lineup isn't great. Like Foles are playing, which will be good. But I think it's like, you know, bands like the Snuts and stuff and probably Turn Up Late. This like is anyway. the Transmit Festival, isn't it? Which always comes Transmit. under fire for, for, for never, oh, booking, come- never booking women. So it's always just like, it's oh, the lads. Okay. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be lads, lads, lads in Glasgow. Yeah. I've never been to Scotland, by the way. Okay. Neither never been to Scotland. Um... There's never seemed like a real point, but you know, just because I assume it's like Ireland. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Any Scottish listeners? <laughs> Adam saying Glasgow, excellent. That's a compliment. Ireland's good. It's, you know, Ireland without their ridiculous rent and ridiculous everything. We don't know that. Um, we don't know the Scottish economy. Like, why are you making these grand statements? I've, this is. I have no idea. I'm flailing. Well, I did hear you say on the show that, like, the strokes apparently the second weekend weren't that great. And no. I didn't see those reports. In fairness, I think. Big Jules was the man with COVID and having gone through COVID, if he had anything like me, I would not be able to do a fucking pop concert. And he did seem to apparently be rambling in between songs (laughs) and people were just like, I think he's just like stalling for time (laughs) to catch his breath, which is brilliant. I love that. Well, when I saw the strokes... He and I are fully recovered. I saw the strokes at Electric Picnic 2019, I want to say. And I remember a lot of people saying, this is crap, they're terrible. I loved it. I thought they were awesome. And he was rambling though. He says weird shit. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's an odd dude. Um, but he's our dude. He is, he's our dude. And this is our podcast, this is our show, and on this episode, uh, no album review, because we thought that a Perfume Genius record might be a bit too dense for the week that's in it. We oh. didn't go fucking near the Drake album, and I will not be doing I that. Did. Did <laughs> I did. I gave it a spin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, House Music Drake. What is he doing? Anyway. Is, is it good? We'll talk about it later on, I think. Um, yeah, we'll talk about but it. We'll see. Uh, so no album review this week, sorry, but it'll be packed, show. We've got a good news section, and we've got top five songs about isolation because of Craig's isolation. That's the topical yeah. angle on Ironically that. enough, I was so well, I wasn't even listening to music. I didn't I didn't really take your suggestion of like just sitting down with some crappy movies. I was in that headspace of not being able to take stuff in. I did watch, rewatch Heat. Oh, it was nice. fantastic. Yeah. It's um, just so good. So good. I love I, it. What, what else did I watch? 
Executive decision. <laughs> one choice. I Adam watched that recently as well. Yeah. True. Oh, did you, Adam? He did. Yeah. Oh, is this one of your letterbox things? Yeah, yeah. Adam has not watched this week, films. unfortunately, guys. But uh, yeah, he didn't okay, enjoy we'll it too to, much. Maybe we'll have a full dissection on the next um, No Oxcord or something. Which for leads Patreon. me nicely to our Patreon anyway. plug. It's Patreon.com/slash No Encore. If you want to help support this independent show, uh, Craig and I are actually going to be upgrading our microphones in the next few weeks. So uh, hopefully, it will sound a bit better uh, than this, even though we sound okay. Hopefully, uh, but Patreon.com/slash No Encore, uh, where for the price of a pint, like a fiver, you get bonus episodes, including No Ox Cord, which is our monthly recommends corner. There was a No Ox Cord episode put out on the main feed a few weeks ago when we couldn't make the show. Um, we will be recording a new one next week. So we'll be sitting down, the three of us, talking about recommends and probably be talking about action movies. I would say that would be a possibility. You also get episodes previews there, of course, and you help an independent show uh, keep the lights on, as I always say. Uh, keep the the mixing desk operational, etc. Buy so. a cough button as well, maybe. Sure, sure. Um, Could come in handy. Yeah, and also I should note as well, Sonic Architect Adam, the man who never sleeps, has also set up an Instagram page for No Encore, oh, yeah. which is long overdue, to be fair. Uh, show on the air six years at this stage, no Instagram page. But uh, Instagram, where it's at, guys, we're going to post clips and stuff. Uh, it is, of course, uh, Instagram, No Encore, show i believe uh yes so go check it out hit the follow button and make us feel like we're popular thanks very much and speaking of feeling like we're popular just tell a friend about the show uh if you don't want to do either of those other things just say that there's this great show out there in which guys ramble for a while before they get to the news section it's called no encore you know that you're already listening to it and speaking of that news section about the good news well the good news is craig put together the news section this week having uh trying to make up for yeah i had to do it for the last few weeks Uh, and so it was like you know you know i was like delighted when you said i'll do the news i was like thanks buddy Uh, however i don't know if i'm delighted by this lead story that you've put together i'm leading with a rehash of a story (laughs) (laughs) please take it away craig uh, headline being Kate Bush very pleased with herself which is a bit harsh um, I think it's kind of a worthwhile update because um, from that chat you were of course talking about her taking the top spot in certainly the UK singles chart with running up that hill due to the placement in Stranger Things and you did mention at the time that she kind of came out with a statement but it seemed like maybe some media person had just cobbled something together well actually Kate Bush has given a rare interview where she's talked about Stranger Things and just the whole phenomenon and it turns out she's into the series. She says the whole thing is just extraordinary. It's such a great series. She goes on to compare it to like Harry Potter films, which I don't know is a ringing endorsement. I've never seen a minute of a Harry Potter film though. So I saw I the fourth comment. one, Goblet of Fire, and it was quite good, but it just didn't make me want to. Yeah, it was. I remember back in the day, my friend was going to see it. And he's like, do you want to come? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, come on. And he like explained the plot of the first three before he went in. And it was genuinely quite good. It's the one with Robert Pattinson in it. Spoiler, he dies horribly. <laughs> that is a spoiler. I thought you were going to get, give like a low-key thing. But yeah, it's a pretty big it's spoiler. It's from 17 years ago, Craig. I think people I had the book it. before. He's going to get around to it. <laughs> After heat. <laughs> but Kate Bush explains um, she was talking on the BBC Radio 4 show, Woman's Hour. Um, she said, yeah, it's like... Harry Potter and that, like those early films, they were just little kids. And then the film has progressed, becomes heavier and darker. You've a different connection with something that's moved through years of really watching them grow. Um, I haven't seen the new Stranger Things. I'm reluctant to dive in, Dave, because like just from looking at the running, running order of the episodes, it seems very 
Game of Thrones endgame where they've lost the plot completely. Have you watched this? Were you a fan? I can't re- I feel I like thought, it's starting to irk you already, yeah, right? I thought much as far as me. This is a great example of a show, much like, say, Homeland, for example, that never should have got more than one season. Yes. Like, if Homeland made a different decision in its final episode and, like, it was one season show, we'd be like, we'd be talking about it today as, like, one of the great things ever. Um, Strange Things never needed more than one season. Uh, and I don't like the, I don't like the 80s nostalgia thing. I just find it very kind it's of It's just trying. too much, isn't it? It's everything just so it's like every frame has at least 12 different 80s references at any Mm -hmm. one time there's no way the 80s was like that the 80s wasn't that 80s yeah i'm very much like didn't we say all we needed to say with the first eight episodes of stranger things okay apparently not um i've watched it up until the new one which came out a few weeks ago which is part one of the part two situation um i haven't watched the 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 new episodes yet and i'm very very much reluctantly gonna finally go and do it i I just it doesn't really appeal to me i'm catching up on better call saul i'm watching the boys um which are both better (laughs) so um and yeah apparently like the average episode length is like 80 minutes on these and i believe when the finale finally arrives it'll be two and a half hours long i have to say i mean i said it on the show recently i mean like you know good for kate bush i think she is a bit pleased with herself but it's kate bush she can be pleased with herself that's fine it's an amazing I mean, song it, she's yeah, an amazing it, artist it's nice that she's coming out with quotes just talking I just about wish it wasn't how this i wish it wasn't fucking stranger, stranger things, things. Did this but at the same time i'm like well look at least it is happening and to be fair you know gen z or whatever are like discovering this great song and that's a good thing but I at mean, this stage i do find it a bit like okay cool can we stop talking about this we did have a news story a couple of years ago where it seemed like she was giving a ring endorsement to Margaret Thatcher and we're like, oh my God, is she a Tory? And then she was like, no, no, not a Tory. <laughs> so this is a relief. This is, is much more um, palatable content. Um, I'm just a bit upset that this song's big, gigantic pop culture moment wasn't when the placebo cover featured oh. in the promo for the OC season three, I believe, when Ryan became a cage fighter after, spoiler alert, Marissa died. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I genuinely thought for a second though, that you were about to go very against character and say the promo for, because WWE used placebos running up the hill cover, oh, really? for, such a good a cover. WrestleMania, for a WrestleMania match between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, and it's one of the great video packages they've ever done, and they're very good at doing that. It's incredible. It's a great cover, I love it, yeah, but no, it's, it's fucking Stranger Things. Fantastic. Good stuff. Nostalgia eating itself. Netflix Netflix going over budget, cancelling projects, firing people because we got to keep telling this fucking story. Okay, great. Good stuff. Kate Bush, though, new album, make it happen. I don't think it's going to happen. We got like two in the last 20 years. She's sitting around, she's watching Stranger Things. I, I think I'd be Kate Bush, to be honest, if I had like an iota of that talent. I just would take my sweet ass time to release anything if you anything, but. could conjure up into the world tomorrow a new album from Kate Bush Rihanna oh. Frank Ocean or Rage Against the Machine who would you pick um oh usually I would say Frank Ocean but I, ha- I didn't love the kind of Lucy's like the, the recent singles that he put out like I'm not sure about that direction so I'm gonna say Kate Bush yeah who would you go for Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, Rihanna will put out an album. Kate Bush could always put out an album. I think Frank will put out an album. But the Rage thing, despite the fact that they're a touring unit once again, they just don't seem to have any interest in writing an actual album. And I've been saying for years that, like, there's plenty of inspiration out there, guys. <laughs> it sure would be Adam good agrees. to have you. Yeah. And also, as well, the fact that when Zach De La Rocca pops up on a Run the Jewels track, it's like the best track on that album. So you're like, I know, still come got on, it. come on. Yeah, there's no question <clears throat> that they like, I, I don't see how it wouldn't work. 
And I would just love one more record because the last record they put out was kind of an odds and ends one, which was fine, but it wasn't a true Rage record. So hopefully in time that could happen. Thanks, Kate Bush, for inspiring the return of Rage Against the Machine. Um, but she's not... Produced by Steve <laughs> Albini, perhaps, Dave? <laughs> well, hang on. Like, there's more Kate Bush, isn't there? Like, she's not telling you out of the news oh, just yeah, yet. There's, yeah, there's further okay, let's, field let's stuff do, happening let's here. Let's do... <laughs> My further It's Bushmania-ish story. <laughs> Christian Bale has been opening up about him featuring Sorry. in... Go when on. I saw the headline, It's Bushmania, I was like, Gavin Rossdale is back. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, that's a blast from the past. Tremendous. Um, so Christian Bale is finally... He's entered the MCU... Um, he's going to be in the cinematic universe for the few people who don't get that reference, including yeah, Christian Bale. Christian Bale, there, there's some of the best quotes here is where he, I think maybe doth protest too much. Or he's like, I didn't have a clue what people were talking about. Really, mate? I mean, he you're does in this, the though. He does this a lot. He curses and he's, he's like a, whatever, you know, stoic, yeah, stoic office man. I've been in man. Wales, yeah, just working on my craft. Um, he's been working on his craft with uh, Taika Waititi um, and... His craft also involved a Kate Bush-inspired dance scenes. The character he's playing is the villain Gore the God Butcher, who I'm not familiar with, despite previously getting Avenger comics back in my teens. This is the new you know Thor this character? movie? Did we say this? I can't remember if we Thor, specified. Thor, yeah, God Thor, Thunder, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Or Love Thor, and Love and Thunder. Thunder. Adam Shanahan is a huge MCU fan, so we got to tread carefully here, Craig, because he'll get upset if we uh, bash it. Gore the God Butcher, I'm not familiar with the comics, but I've seen people online saying, this character's fucked up, man. This guy's a killer. This guy's fucking hardcore. And I'm like, well, it's a Marvel movie. It's a Thor movie, and it's comedic. I would be surprised if he gets to do much more than, you know, like, break someone's neck off screen or something. I'd be, although, have you seen his look? in this movie by any chance no I haven't actually is he it? looks like I, you know there's no other reference I can give here so I'm sorry but he does look like Marilyn Manson circa like the beautiful people kind of video like he he's done up like that he's bald okay. and he's kind of silver and he's kind of oh, wraith-like yeah, just had a, and had a he's drooling black blood and all that kind of stuff it's very 2000s new metal yeah. Um, yeah, he said he was going for a, a kind of Nosferatu slight attitude, which I can definitely see as well. And he was talking about Taika and I wanted to do a whole dance, which we didn't get to do. But we had all this sort of Kate Bush stuff that we worked at. I think he just realised he was never going to be allowed to put that in the final film. I mean, why not? That well, sounds see, this like is something definitely out of an MCU film. This actually validates him saying he doesn't know what the MCU is because they do this stuff all the time. Yeah. They throw in, like, like Guardians of the Galaxy movies, the Thor movies, like, they're always throwing in old pop hits and it works quite well and, you know, it always gives the song a bump as well. So, yeah, there's a bit of a do- doth protest too much slash maybe he's just basically ignorant type thing here. Although I will say, if the plan was to use Running Up That Hill and then fucking straight things doesn't just beat you to it but causes a pop culture phenomenon you're like well that's gone scratch it forget it we can't yeah. do that now no way uh christian bale of course what do you what, what do you how do you rate him and also how old do you think he is by the way do you know what i am quite good at guessing celebrity ages this okay. is the thing this was the thing at primavera i'm i'm just like i can whip out if you can throw out names i can kind of gauge within a year or two chatting up girls at primavera being like i can <laughs> yeah, guess that's, any that's celebrity's age <laughs> wildly successful Nick this Cave, is you see him on stage mark o'brien at like three in the morning um we've all so, tried to so, chat at mark o'brien at three in the morning so, craig but unfortunately it doesn't work christian out. bale do you want me to give it a go yeah give it a go Christian Bale is 48. He's 48! Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Craig is doing a lap of his room. Is he actually spot on? Yes, he is actually 48 years old. Well done. I knew he was late 40s. Okay, can I give you one more real quick? Tom Cruise. Go on. 
Oh, the cruiser is 59. He's 59, yeah. You probably know yeah. that because he's in the news lately. Have you gone to see Top Gun Maverick yet? Now that you're out of COVID, Joe? I haven't done it. I wanted to see it in Spain, but it was like that guilt thing of just like blistering sunshine and going to a darkened cinema. Although mm-hmm. there is a very nice Barcelona cinema that we t- talked about before that has like a stained glass window that isn't too oh, yeah, distracting yeah, that yeah. I could have gone to. But um, maybe this weekend, now I'm testing negative. You should go. It's great. Very Christian excited. Bale. Do you yeah. like Christian Bale? Do you think he's good? Um, I do like him. I struggle to think of like truly great films I've seen him in in the last decade and a half though maybe yeah that's probably fair Machinist was brilliant American Psycho was obviously tremendous I enjoyed him ago. in like the big short <laughs> Batman stuff is, he's on well, the big short yes he is Christian Bale oh he is yeah sorry that film is, sucks yeah. so I just wiped it from my memory oh did you not like it no, no I, can't I thought he was good Ad- and I, I like that I like that character satire bullshit um, fighters, men's yeah. No, I, I'm I'm pro Christian Bale, and I did like his outburst because it did sound like that guy had it coming. I'm oh, sorry. okay, the outburst from Terminator Salvation. You mean from like when Fucking he came out done to the lighting yeah. guy? Yeah. yeah, I mean that was quite the outburst, and of course that outburst was captured uh, and leaked to the internet in a viral situation. But then someone did this to it. Let's enjoy this, shall we? I was looking at the light. Fuck! And what the fuck is it with you? I was looking at the light. Fuck! And what the fuck is it with you? I was looking at the light. Fuck! And what the fuck is it with you? I was looking at the light. It's fucking distracting. It's fucking distracting. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Tremendous. What a like man. An evil Liam Payne. A real professional. And speaking of real professionals, Craig mentioned him earlier on. Steve Albini, who I think has this reputation that he doesn't quite deserve as some kind of aggro curmudgeon man. I think he, he just he tells it like it is type thing now. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a force for good, um, certainly these days. Uh, I think I, I did a, a failed link earlier where I was like, oh, he could maybe produce Rage. But of course, famously, he says he doesn't produce stuff. He just records bands. That's his approach. Um, outside of music, though, He's got a few different interests, poker being one of them, which I think has been nearly financially ruinous to him over the years. And he seems to occasionally use it to like keep his studio going and stuff. He also famously never takes royalties from Axe, which meant he missed out on like huge Nirvana paydays and stuff. He's just like, no, I'm just a, just give me a wage because I'm just uh, doing sorry, a job. A, a withering look into the camera from Adam Shanahan there, <laughs> shaking his head. So you would take royalties. Is that what you're saying, Adam? Nodding his head. <laughs> okay. He's learned well from the Reuben. Yeah. Uh, Adam Shanahan is, of course, Always a super producer. Cut. He's very busy. I don't know how demand he is, guys. But, you know, if um, if, if if major American bands of, of yore with massive back catalogs want to work with Adam Shanahan, I'm sure we can, I'm sure we can hook you up. But in the meantime, he's ours. We, yeah, and we don't want him turning to gambling as well. So um, pay up, folks. Steve Albini, though, he's had a big payday. Um, we reported previously on his first incredible World Series of Poker win, and he had another one last Friday night. Um, so he managed to take home nearly $200,000 as cash prize. But apparently, more importantly to poker players, the event's prestigious bracelet. Um, this was like a few days after he'd been performing with his band Shellac at Primavera. Apparently, they're like the one band that's played at every Primavera. So he had a much more fruitful and successful post-Primavera than I did. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Is this like a yeah. celebrity arm of the World Series of Poker or the World Series of Poker? No, it's the actual World Series of Poker. Like he's, he, he's clearly <laughs> extremely good. 
Um, and there's quotes here where he's like, so when I'm playing poker, uh, I try to commit to it. I try to take it seriously. My thinking is just like, how seriously are the rest of them taking it? Mm. Like, he's got this very demanding other job. I get, maybe it's just luck. I don't know. Are you a poker guy, Dave? No, not really. I've played it a few times and I don't really know how to play it. Like, I remember playing for money before and people like could, could tell immediately this lamb to the slaughter that I was. But I do enjoy it. I think it's a fun game to play when you play it. Now, in fairness, you do like poker, don't you? Um, I don't love poker, but it's a good conduit for like a social occasion, I suppose. Every now and mates. then I'll be Certainly over Craig, lockdown. I'll yeah. be like, what are you up to tomorrow night? And you're like, got an online poker game with the boys. Zoom poker. Yeah. During lockdown, there was, that was a way of kind of keeping in touch. It's a good, like having an ongoing poker game just allows you to, like there's lulls in conversation over the course of the evening, do you know what I mean? Particularly when you're on a Zoom screen for that long. So it's just a nice way to kind of keep things ticking along. It's also quite fun. Yeah, I I, I enjoy it. I'm not the yeah. worst poker player. I'm like your typical runner-up in those kind of games. Um, get my money back kind of thing. A few quotes from Steve. Bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It doesn't cost me anything. Uh, the first one felt like a fluke, says Steve. This one also felt like a fluke. I was all in a million times in this tournament. Uh, he wore a t-shirt of the noise band Jack and Nuts. <laughs> For luck, he said in the stud tournament, the bracelet that I won in 2018, I was never all in that tournament. I was never short of chips, but it still felt like I kind of fluked it because I beat a table full of really great, great players that I didn't expect to beat. This time it felt like a fluke because I was so short in chips so often and I kept getting all in and I kept surviving. That is the indie rock way. God bless that man. <laughs> God bless that man. Poker's fun. Please gamble responsibly if you are doing that. And uh, we'll move on to uh, someone who could gamble... In many respects, Harry Styles, he uh, played Dublin this week. He played the Aviva Stadium. I didn't realise it was the fucking Aviva. I could have sworn he announced a three-arena day ages ago. I guess since then his popularity has gone supernova. I was speaking to an industry insider this week who said he could have sold out another one in the Aviva, no problem. Um, And apparently as well, by the way, he's been doing this thing in line with his record, Harry's House, which of course I didn't get to review with you and Fanula Jones. Uh, I thought it was good, not amazing, but I enjoyed the surface level pop of it. He's finally kind of won me over with that. I'm just like... I've accepted that we're not really going to get much more than what he does. I think what he does, he does well. Um, And I think he's a likable enough guy. Um, And I remain more interested in his forthcoming film career, though. Uh, So anyway, uh, he's doing pop-up stores for his merchandise in major cities when he goes to them. I think he sets it up like two days or two weeks before he arrives. Uh, Two days, I think. And I was told by somebody that the word on the grapevine is that those merch uh, pop-ups are clearing like a million a day. Like, it's making a shit ton of money. He and does also he pop has, up? Does he, like, pop in? <laughs> he pops up on stage. Um, but, like, there's also, of course, um, he has, like, a beauty line, the cosmetics line and stuff. Like, he's this guy is... I don't even know yeah, how much nail money he's worth. Yeah, was this kind of main yeah, yeah. bread and butter, wasn't it? And you apparently uh, can't get it. Apparently it's, like, completely fucking gold dust, you know, so he's... He's got a big Gucci collab as well, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Like he's, I think He's so. doing quite well for himself, I he's think. He's doing very well for himself. Uh, he's a good-looking man, as we all know, and yeah. he's a hell of an entertainer. So he plays... to hang out with Liam Payne anytime he wants. <laughs> <laughs> a high likelihood that those yeah. hands um, he play, he's, on, he's on tour at the moment and he played the Aviva Stadium just the night before this podcast <clears throat> I didn't go um, but I heard it was a great show and as a matter of fact um, as happenstance would have it just back from a, a seemingly endless tour of her own with Pillow Queens and in fact on the night of this podcast supporting Phoebe Bridgers in Glasgow uh, great oh, yeah. friend of the show the amazing Sarah Corcoran of Pillow Queens she went to the Harry Styles gig in Dublin so I naturally enough begged her, cajoled her to do a voice note review for us. Oh, and gosh. here that is. David, here's the thing. I would love to say I'd purchased 
Harry Styles tickets in a frenzied pre-sale way back when, but I did not. Um, my friend offered me tickets a couple months ago and I said, mm, I would love to go. However, that is the date of my mother's birthday, so I don't know if I can. And then my friend came back and said, I actually have two tickets. Why don't you bring your mom? So I did. So I brought my mom for her birthday. She's she's a Harry fan. Um, and I don't know. It was one of the best gigs I've ever been to in my entire life. That's a very grand statement to make. There weren't bells and whistles. He didn't have like dancers. He didn't do any kind of acrobatics. He didn't change his outfit. It was all him. It was all the songs, the attitude, the presence, the crowd. Um, I've never been to a show at the Aviva before. It's a very good space for venue. Um, I would also, I would, I would have liked them to have turned up the instrumentation generally, but I know that's just a personal preference and everyone who was there was there for Harry and Harry alone. Um, I didn't really care about, I want to say Miles playing guitar, um, but Harry's band are magnificent. And it was just really, 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 really fucking good. My mom loved it. Would go again. 9.75 out of 10. 9.75? <laughs> I was going to say, typical musician there giving out about the instrumentation mix. But uh, in fairness, uh, thank you, Sarah, for that review. I can't wait to welcome Sarah back on the show because Pillow Queens went on this crazy tour and I really want to hear about it on the show soon, hopefully, yeah, if we can get time with Sarah. But also, what a wholesome story, bringing her mom. That sounds like a lovely night out. mom loved it. That's the biggest endorsement. Forget the score. Yeah. I'd say it's great crack. Like, I, yeah, I saw friends were at it and it just seemed like good vibes and I, I saw he was earning praise as well for like stopping the show at one point just because things seemed a little unsafe and which will, thankfully a lot of artists are doing a lot more these days. So Slipknot just, did that yeah. in Toronto when I was there. Uh, it was during their last song. Um, they didn't spit it out to close and like halfway through the song, like Corey just stopped it on such an incredible pin drop. It was just like, like, and then he was like, hey, you know, we got a guy down here. He needs help. You know, by my bang. That happened. And he was like, all right, we're going to start the song all over again. They started all over again. It was like, Krunk. I've never seen a more like professional. Like it, it did lend some ammunition to the whole, you know, they play with backing tracks, man. I don't know. But the production was just but I, I almost would, I would assume, perfect. you know, if like, you're Jesus. Slipknot rather than Harry Styles, you're probably more used to things Stopping getting slightly more yeah, raucous suppose, and being yeah. like, yeah, let's be, well, to be let's fair, be honest. Harry Styles gigs they do sound like people lose their fucking minds at them so um, but no by all accounts it was a hell of a show he seems a hell of a showman people spotted him out about in Dublin which was kind of funny um, although leave the man alone it was Matt Damon all over again he had a bag of cans oh did he actually he had a, te- he had a Terror Records bag and in the bag oh, f- clearly in the bag was a, was a Guinness slab of cans yeah um, and he went Boy. to the, he went to the Vico 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 <laughs> did you splash her did he <laughs> no no, he went for a dip. Uh, I'd love to go on the splash tour with Harry Styles. According to Adam, yeah, he went for a dip with uh, Olivia Wilde, his partner, and uh, Eve Hewson, daughter of Bono. So, oh, great! Yeah, and he was milling around Dublin. People were filming him. Apparently, he was he was refused from a restaurant because they didn't know who he was, which I don't know how true that is. Uh, nonetheless, 
He is in the running order for other reasons, Craig. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah what is There's it? There's a new story. So he did Wembley as well, um, because, you know, why not? And the big breaking news was that he helped um, an Italian fan come out at the Wembley Stadium gig. He's done, he's got previous for this kind of thing, because, of course, the fans want it to happen. So the fan named Matteo was holding a sign that read, Fermona to Wembley, help me come out. And Harry was more than happy to oblige. He declared Matteo officially gay, my boy as he raised a pride flag above his head. Congratulations, Matteo said, you are a free man. And yeah, there's been lots of these kind of incidents. He's also done a gender reveal to like a boyfriend on a phone. Um, Quite like, like it's, it's kind of progressive Robbie, isn't it? Oh yeah, just like that's really a very good, good banter it, yeah. with the audience, yeah. but wholesome and you know, uh, <laughs> liberal and great and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know what like if he has those kind of powers to officially bring people out, and I don't know if I was genuinely coming out if that would be the moment I would like. To, I probably would actually. To well, be honest, the fan um, had continue, it on their continue. sign, and congratulations yes. to Matteo, an incredibly likable man, as Adam correctly says. However, did you Mateo. watch the video? Harry, Matteo is probably lovely as well. Um, yeah. Did you watch? I watched the video of this moment though, and I gotta say, I was a little bit conflicted about it—not the sentiment or what he was doing, but how he did it, like. He had a pride flag and, you know, he yeah. was like, when I raise, when this flag goes over my head, like a magic trick, he was like, it was a bit then too, you are out. Yeah. But, but he was doing like a, oh, and like dropping it and like, oh, and it was, like it was a wrestling match. Well, that's match. the Robbie part. But it went on too that's long and Robbie. it was kind of like, you could even hear in the crowd that they thought he was going to immediately do it, but the, he, he dragged it out. It, just a, it got a little bit tense and I was like... <laughs> I know that he's yeah. going to do it and he's just, he's being a showman, but there was just something slightly, slightly off about that, that I don't know if it, if it, la- if it verged, if it kind of spilled into slightly parodic territory or something. It was like, just lift it over your fucking head and make it the guy's moment. I don't think you need to build this up. It's fine, but it was fine. Yeah, it's yeah. all in, it's all in good stead. And you know, I, I've said before, I mean, I, I buy it. Like, I mean, I don't think it's a cynical career move. I think he is genuinely looking out for people. And that's fine. That's a good thing. We, like it's it's a good thing to have an avatar like a Harry Styles out there, even if the music is still a little bit undercooked. But anyway, look, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, yeah. Speaking of undercooked, Drake, <laughs> one man that's always looking out for his fans, but are his fans looking out for him? Mm. Um, sad boy of hip hop. He's back. He's in the house. We talked about it at the top music. of the show. Yeah, with honestly, never mind. Uh, it draw. We were given what about six hours notice? Less. Something I think it was coming. like two. Well, I guess yeah, American time zone. So technically about six. Yeah, but it was like ten o'clock on like a Thursday. It was like Drake's, but uh, now at midnight. I was like, oh. And okay. I think about like six pretty major hip hop artists were like, oh, I'm pushing my album by a week because we have to get clearance <laughs> for tracks. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still a big thing. The cover art, though. My God, the absolute state of that cover art. It's Can like, you describe it? It's like a, a, a bad mid-90s, like, um, metal Microsoft album? Word art take on a metal album. Just completely incomprehensible. And as you said, for maybe as close to a concept album as we've gotten from Drake, where it's it's pure house, I think, until the final track. Um, he's been working with Black Coffee, um, who is an established name in this field, and he's kind of, these sound kind of like his offcuts. And then you've just got Drake doing his... Ornby warblings over it and the backlash has been insane from his fan base I went on Drake's Reddit um, or I'd say that's a fucking fun Drizzy. time right there yeah, what, yeah. Sorry, what is the address? <laughs> or forward slash Drizzy <laughs> <laughs> and um, usually like <clears throat> they're like the biggest stands on the internet of course 
He's usually coming into contact or conflict with um, Kanye fans. On this one, though, the like fresh album tread, which is usually glowing and giving all of the benefit of the doubt, was just people being like, what is this trash? What is this? <laughs> people are not happy with the change of direction. I think because people were, you know, for context, because um, certified lover boy kind of came and went critically and people thought, okay, he's just doing his commercial stuff, um, which he very much was. When you get like a, a surprise announcement that he's dropping something, it seems like it's going to be like a statement of intent, or like a course correction of just like, I'm actually knuckling down, getting serious. Um, this is the real shit. Like it's going to be a, like, you know, if you're reading this, it's, it's too late kind of thing where he just goes all in on the raps and like tries to match Kendrick and he's just doing <laughs> tracks that will probably get on a lot of playlists because it's just really easy listening house music. Um, but he says it's fine. People just don't get it, Dave. <laughs> Not defensive whatsoever. Um, his comments following the kind of backlash have been, it's all good if you don't get it yet. It's all good. That's what we do. That's what we do. We wait for you to catch up. We're in here, though. We caught up already. <laughs> on to the next. My goodness. <laughs> He's having a while of a time. He's so hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I mean, like, the fact that, like, if you're saying that the stands on or slash Drizzy uh, are routinely being like, this is the best thing of all time, and obviously we know that his recent work has not, in fact, been the best work of all time, I'm wondering, <coughs> does that mean that this actually is good? Now, you had a cursory listen to this, so why don't you tell me your thoughts? Productions are totally fine. If you like house music, it's it's a very mellow listen. Um, and there's some okay things, but it's it's like if you're looking for him to get in his like dance bag akin to like a one dance or even kind of controller type stuff. Like he's done that stuff really well before. There's no tracks like that. Like it's really nondescript. He's put in zero effort. Like, <laughs> it said, it's like, like someone just recorded him in the shower. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's like, if you came up with a parody Drake melody, it's that forever. Any any standout bad lyrics? Like, you know, I'm chaining Tatum or anything now? Oh, there's one about... um, There's always one. There's always one. What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. It's absolutely (laughs) gross. It'll come to me probably in the... I can't remember what it is. It really stood out. Do you want to go look for it there while I riff for yeah, a second? Hold on a sec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go I'll, on. I'll, I'll riff for a second. Do some um, riffing. Have you heard the uh, reliably bang average new Beyonce song, which is also house? Oh, yeah. She's gone very house as well. I'm not loving this trend. No. Like these 90 beats. I'm just like the synths in the 90s weren't as good as the synths in the 80s. How long do we have to put up with this? Like I can't. Uh, we trashed the 80s nostalgia earlier on, but look at you now. Come and crawl in back. I'm, it's working for me because I think we've Phil hit Collins, f- is it? <laughs> well, we've we've hit a really sweet spot where it's it's like all that synth pop is kind of doing the 80s, but if you listen to 80s music, it didn't sound like it. The stuff we're hearing that is... <laughs> okay, Adam, Adam has, has, put, found Adam has, a Adam has typed the Drake lyric into the group chat, and I have to say I, <laughs> I recoiled there. there when I saw it. So, Craig, you have to read it, but we will bleep out the word for comic effect. Yeah, the line is, your p- is calling my name. Okay, all right. Mm. It's no way too sexy. That's all I'm saying. I will say, do you know what I listened to lately though? Um, prompted by the, uh, I think maybe even, yeah, pr- probably prompted by the, the release of the Drake album. I found myself going back to for the first time in a while the story of Adidon, and I just was listening to it on ah. repeat with a giant grin on my face. Every time feels like the first time. It's astonishing. It's incredible. I, I mean, there should be there should be college courses dedicated to that song. I can't believe it. Everything about it's so immense. Did you <sighs> see this week? Tom Brady. Tom Brady was on. Um, Tom Brady. Presumo- <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that was my pronunciation for that bleeped word as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I, he probably wasn't on Twitter. It was like an Instagram thing or something, but he's just like... Um, Listening to that Pusha T album, album of the year. It was like this back and forth. I'm just like, that man is living his best life. Um, and fair play to Tom Brady. I didn't think he was that cool. Um, I'm ready. Apart from that, though, uh, best festival of all time returns this weekend, you say? Oh, Glastonbury. That's yeah, that's been one. cut from the running order. It's still in your running order. <laughs> I, took the, I took the old notes. I threw them into my... So, oh, yeah. So you had a thing about Glastonbury, but now it's gone. Glastonbury's well, it was, on this it weekend, was just, guys. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, are you going to watch any of it? I don't think it's you really on Paul TV McCartney anymore. Headlining. I was doing, I was doing Today FM recently, and like one of the things we were talking about was Irish acts playing Glastonbury. And Matt Cooper was like, you know, did they still broadcast it? And I was like, yeah, they usually still like, do some kind of highlight reels and stuff. And then you have some individual gigs and the red button, blah, blah, blah. And then like a listener texted him being like, well, you can't use the red button over here because it's geoblock and also or iPlayer rather I should say and also they've axed BBC4 so I was like oh yeah fuck I forgot about that I think so there's ways like, around the iPlayer though, I literally it? said the words on, on live radio I went yeah there's ways around that and the Mac was like <laughs> dodgy boxes I was like nope I'm not recommended nothing um, nah I've no real interest it's Glastonbury I, I've no real in- a friend of mine actually um who formerly guested on the show, Reese DeBron, uh, is based in London. He did ask me if I wanted to go next year, and I was like, Reese, it's a lovely idea, but, you know, my festival, <laughs> <It can't be. laughs> like, malaise, I just don't think I could go to something that's the size of a fucking town for, like, seven days or whatever. But again, I know people, we know people who think it's the best thing of all time, and more power to you. It does have, for a lot of people, that kind of mystical air about it that other festivals don't. Even when you mm-hmm. look at the lineup and you're like, it doesn't quite stack up with maybe like a Primavera or whatever, it's still Glastonbury for some reason. It's got a cachet. Sure. Um, we should get to our top five, but was there anything else in the news section that you kept in? <laughs> in this new draft that <laughs> well, I haven't Adam seen? Well, Adam snuck in a little story, which actually is really interesting one. Um, Fortet, he's getting 50%. He's won his case against Domino Recordings, which kind of upset me because Domino, great label. You think would think again, you know, she used that term, force for good. Um, but it seems like they were... Allegedly, oh, the court, court case has gone through kind of stiffing him um, in terms of the amount they're giving him for his catalogue. Have you seen this story, Dave? Um, we talked about it previously, I think, but yeah, I know he um, he said that he had, quote unquote, bodacious news to share and that it was that he's getting X amount of royalties. I, I, I was kind of like, is he being ironic or was this actually a big victory in terms of the overall scheme of things? So, he, like last year, he'd sought damages against Domino for applying a historic royalty rate to streaming revenue and downloads for his, his studio albums um, between 2001, 2010, he was on that label. Obviously, at that time, there was no streaming services outside of like Napster. Um, so the contract that he had then stipulated like an 18% royalty rate for physical sales. And they continue to apply just the 18% rate, which is kind of ludicrous, obviously, when you get into, like, the amounts on streams and downloads. Um, Again, factoring in, that is, like, the label, the label's portion, you know, splitting it with your Spotify's and stuff, so it just becomes an absolutely, like, ludicrously small amount. I I mean, I'm I'm no economist, Dave, but it doesn't sound sustainable if you're an artist... He'd sought damages of up to 70 grand plus costs in a case um, due to go before the British High Court. Um, Last year, Domino had had to remove uh, his albums from streaming services. Uh, He was truly shocked by this. He hadn't agreed to it. Good news is that Domino's recognised that, you know, the original claim and agreed to pay the 50% royalty rate on streaming and downloads. Um, So basically, it's being treated now as a licensing agreement. 
And it's probably a very, very good precedent, I would imagine, for artists. Um, it's still just such a weird, tricky, grey area, Wild West vibe. Um, people getting absolutely bilked, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, good for him if he's happy, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> legal royalty well, wasn't tends Forte kind of... the dude that, like, his dad <laughs> waded into... He got a bad review in The Guardian or something? And no, his that's dad... Tom O'Dell. Like, they're very different musicians. Oh, no, no, that was into me. Did, did Forte... I feel like Forte had a thing. Maybe Adam okay. might know if he puts it in the thing, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he puts I'm, it in I'm the doing... thing. The information superhighway, a.k.a. Google, <laughs> in front of him on his laptop. Adam, just put it into the thing. Make the calls, We'll Adam. never know. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll maybe update. I'm doing him a disservice. Next yeah. week. I don't know, possibly. Um, I'll riff for a second and see if Adam can find this information. He's looking quizzical, like I think Craig might be making this up. Maybe it was one of your fever dreams. You know, it could have been. <laughs> What a boring fever dream. <laughs> Fortet's dad in the Guardian comment section. Okay, I'm pulling rank. We're moving to the top five. Let's uh, do it. It's top it's five. fun. Top five songs. Is it going to be fun, though? It's top five songs about isolation, which does sound fairly doomy. Um, we can make like doomy right fun. To do. We've got we, a track record. We can. I think we, we generally kind of bring a level of elevation to these things. Uh, we decided it made sense based off the back of Craig's isolation. Uh, so you were mostly in your room. Like, were you a good boy and you stayed there? What was your kind of story? Well, so you could put... I mean, there wasn't a lot to get up to. <laughs> As I said, it was Very that thing of just boy. like... Not, <laughs> not being able to consume too much. The most I stretched to was like, eventually I started watching YouTube. Like, short Lemmy clips. Um, I made the mistake of watching... Norm Macdonald's final stand-up thing, which wasn't actually a stand-up thing so much as like he recorded himself like doing his his forthcoming special just sitting down and he was extremely ill at the time. So it was basically like being on a Zoom call with an extremely gaunt Norm Macdonald getting quite poignant and I'm just like, what am I watching? So that was one of the things I consumed. I listened to... Oh, I got into a bad musical bag when I was feeling a bit better as well. I was listening to some great, very tasteful, ambient, um, like, Japanese 80s synth stuff, but I also got into, like, divorce core. Oh, I wow. wanted, like, beige, tasteful palette 80s stuff. I dipped into, I think we talked about it on the show before, where I was, like, slagging it off mercilessly, but I got this itch where I'm just like, I'm going to investigate that again. I started listening to John Mayer's Sob Rock. <laughs> that album he put out. <laughs> oh my god like with songs like um last train home and um there's a track on it called why you no love me why you no love me <laughs> did you um did you get into the stewart well, quite good. did you into rod stewart territory and the uh no didn't go full stewart um, what's that song again the one that we did you know i'm gonna make love to you like 15 men Fine, 15 men it's about him trying to get back with his ex-wife or like because the I mother of one it. of his children yeah, it's <laughs> so <laughs> weird such an odd man <laughs> oh man Incredible. Uh, okay, okay. Right, yeah. listen, listen. Um, it's very warm in my room because my window's closed to get the best audio. It's a hot day. I feel like I'm in isolation right now. I'm going to move to the top five. Uh, I mostly kind of took it literally, but then didn't. So it's a bit of both. Uh, some abstraction. I have a real variety of stuff. And I wanted different emotions. I wanted, like, I wanted some positivity in there. Mm -hmm, so I have, mm -hmm. a, I have a mixed bag yeah, of so quality I. stuff. Well, I'm going to start this off because it's going to start off in an upbeat tone to show you, listener, that we're not here to bring you down. We're here to bring you up and bring you through it. So without further ado, let's get literal with a quite ridiculous song fresh from this year's Eurovision. Here they are. I feel like going down. I'm so disconnected. 
It's the Rasmus. The Rasmus. Erasmus. The Rasmus uh, from Finland. The song is In the Shadows uh, from 2003. It was a I massive. didn't realise they were in Eurovision this year. <laughs> they represented I just saw Finland the, the in Eurovision this year, section. apparently. Yeah. The camera didn't go to them once, unless they're completely unrecognisable. Well, unless I have my information wrong. I could have sworn that they did. Um, but this yeah, song sure was fucking right. massive, man. Uh, I remember working in Extravision when this was out, and it was, like, constantly on the fucking box or, like, whatever, you know, music channels. I think it went to, like, number five in the UK or something. It was, or maybe number it three. Huge, yeah. It was massive. I, I, you were I, a fan? No, I wasn't a fan. I didn't like it. I, I, I was, I was like, who are these fucking rubbish pop posers who are like trying to be like placebo or something, you know? But I think I have to concede. All these years later, it's kind of great, you know, isn't it? I mean, it's a good pop moment. The hook is like undeniable. It's now going to be stuck in my head. I always like because coupled with the video where it's very melodramatic and it is a real kind of like isolation thing of like. It's pure emo. For some reason, I always thought of it as like a kind of goth take on. I'm, I'm going to guess this isn't in your top five, but like, do you remember the Goo Goo Dolls Iris? No, I, I, I used like, that I in don't a previous. Want the world yeah. to see you did, yeah, yeah. Um, I think David Tapley gave out to me for for picking it. It was like my number one and one of the ones. I can't remember what it was. Nineties ballads. It's not or the worst song. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, not it's the a worst good song. song. Phoebe Bridgers played Dublin there the other day, and I believe she did a cover of that at the she end. Dropped it. Yeah, she dropped it. Oh, okay. uh, she brought it. She brought it. Martin Hayes of the Gloaming, which was a nice moment. Uh, also, yeah, Jesus, sorry, yeah. Uh, Dennis Cahill of the Gloaming passed away this week, real quick. Yeah, by the way, very, very, very sad, sad news. news and the huge outpouring respect for him. So yeah, <laughs> hope everyone's doing all right there. Um, but back to the Rasmus, what a breakneck fucking collision turn I'm doing here. Uh, they've released ten albums to date, Craig. This is off their fifth one, Dead Letters from 2003. Um, well, that's weird, isn't it? That this was like their midway point. Yeah. There you go. Um, if you go onto the Wikipedia page, right, uh, and you go into genres, which is listed here, there's lots of genres listed for them. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. The Rasmus genres, rock, alternative rock, hard rock, alternative metal, gothic rock, symphonic rock, pop rock, soft rock, and then at the end here... Funk rock, brackets early. Funk? Oh, wow. Let's whip some of that out. Jeez. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Funk Rasmus will make it to no ox chord, perhaps. Funk Rasmus. But, uh, funk That's ra- like the, um, <laughs> you mentioned the Bravery again, Sam Endicott apparently being in a, re- a white reggae band before he formed the Bravery at, with dreadlocks. Tremendous. Hello, hello, I'm Funk Rasmus. I'll be your waiter this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a tune, though. Uh, and I guess it is, bit, it is a bit isolation because, you know, it's in the chorus, you know, he's in the shadows, he's watching, he's waiting. I think, oh, it's yeah, a, totally. I think it's a better version of that kind of style than, say, you know, the police and every breath you take, which people dance to is at their wedding. Is it a stalker anthem? Like, is it, or is he just isolated and a kind of like, I'm a bit of a loser and I'm. I think no, it's I the latter, but yeah. I think a lot of these songs are open to ambiguity because uh, some of the ones I have coming up are very much like Dave's really, really projecting on this one, but we'll see. But this one I think was That's a nice little poppy one to start off with. Uh, it's a tune. Yeah. It's a tune. A nice selection. Um, and, you know, if they're hard rock, they mightn't have been a thing without this next group, one of the most iconic um, four voters of hard rock of all time. Let's get off to a rollicking start with my one. Let's have a little fun with it. When will I ever learn? 
brave man. That organ, John Lord, the late great John Lord there. It's deep purple. Uh, Pictures of Home, a song from my childhood, uh, taken from Machine Heads, which my dad would play on vinyl constantly. This is a ludicrous song, but it's kind of great. There's, I think everyone in the band gets at least one solo on it. (laughs) And it's Ian Gillen, um, who I actually think is a brilliant singer and quite emotive. Um, One of the world's great motors. Getting in his lonely bag where he's like on a mountaintop. It gets kind of very like... They were never really a Led Zeppelin type band where they got into like Tolkien stuff and like elves and fantastical stuff. But this is touching on it. Like there's there's lines about like the call of the black hooded crow. You're just like, is that some kind of weird figure that's going to rock up like a mage or something? I don't know. There's weird stuff going on. But apparently it was basically um, based on Ian Gillen complaining that they didn't like um, being in Montreux, which is, was just like their... <laughs> The place in Switzerland where they decamped, I guess, for tax reasons, like a nice Switzerland place um, where they had like the Rolling Stones studio. And he's just like, this is crap. I miss home. I'm going to write this ridiculous song about it. And it's great. Um, You've got Richie Blackmore in absolutely fine form. This is the same album where you have Smoke on the Water, which is about their, um, their studio or their kind of like their practice base going on fire after a flare. Um... Richie Blackmore just like so in his his riff bag at this point. There's a story of um, they had this bus where they just like bring journalists on and um, essentially just as they're traveling from gig to gig, they do all their promo on it. It was a big fancy thing. But some journalists got on and it was just like, so how do you write like such iconic riffs, Richie? And he, <laughs> Richie Blackmore just went like this and he picked up a guitar and wrote the riff to Highway Star there Come and then on. And was like look at that he definitely had that in his back pocket he definitely did right there's no way he just came up with it but I do love that story um he said of this riff that it was based on him listening to shortwave radio, probably from Bulgaria or Turkey and it was about homesickness and yeah just like slightly slept on band I think they're kind of in the realms of people finding them a bit cliched and ridiculous at this point but they were very very good they had a lot of great stuff and they had a weird kind of interesting driving sound a lot of very sad songs as well there's another one I think there was a B-side around this time called When a Blind Man Cries and it's just Ian Gillen being like if you're leaving close the door I'm not expecting people anymore just like all this very sad sack stuff which is great um Richie Blackmore as well. Do you know much about Richie Blackmore? No, but you're about to have tell me. Have we talked about him on the... Yeah, have we talked about him on the show before? Where I it's just don't like... Know. Okay, so basically for the last 20 years or so, Richie Blackmore has um, been in a band with his wife. who's about like quarter of a century younger than him. But I think she's called something like Crystal Night. And they've got a band called Blackmore's Night. <laughs> and what they, what they play is like medieval songs and like folk <laughs> songs and they dress up in like full medieval garb and just like travel around like small pubs and stuff in England and just play to like 10 people and he's like yep that's how I want to live my life wow <laughs> it's fucking tremendous so it's like not he's just a like real a, great English eccentric trophy wife situation they're really in this together for the art very much so yeah they've been going strong for a long time I hope I think up to I, a few years ago, for sure. But yeah, I know. I'm. 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 I'm aware of your fondness for this band. Um, and I remember, like, I can't think of Deep Purple without thinking of the time when 
And it was a weird kind of isolation moment in a way, because if I recall correctly, I was still with Hot Press, but I think I was just, you know, on the subs bench at the time. You were back in Dublin in the office and I was in Drogheda. And if I recall correctly, I was putting together a table tennis table in my in my house. And you were doing the Radio Nova Rock Report, which, of course, oh, yeah. is where you do a, a, a story akin to <laughs> bands like Deep Purple. And I believe Craig was on to talk about Kiss. And I think I've talked about this before, but like the thing is about the Radio Nova Rock Report is that and the kind of station Nova is and certainly was then at the time it happened to me it happened to you there was every chance that when you'd be sitting on the phone in the back of the office with no internet in front of you for whatever reason someone would fucking die like someone like an aging a veteran rocker would die and like and then all of a sudden you'd be on live radio and they'd be like dave the news has just broken the last few minutes that davy jones of the monkeys has died and i'm sure you're all over that in the hot press office as i'm hearing this for the first time and you know they'd be like oh you know, and you want to say about this? And I'm like, uh, and, I, and I, if I recall correctly on Nova, I did say um, commiserations to his family because I forgot the word condolences. But I do remember sitting there putting table tennis table together on a summer's eve and you were due to talk about kiss. <laughs> My voice did a weird thing there. And I remember... You're getting choked up. Getting getting choked it was up. an emotional getting moment. Yeah. And Marty Miller was like, Craig, um, John Lord of Deep Purple has passed away. The news has just broken in the last few minutes. And I heard this on live radio and I was like, oh, fuck. I know for a fact that Craig isn't prepared for this. But then (laughs) Craig over here just riffs an incredible on-the-spot eulogy for the man. And I was like, I had no idea that you had Deep Purple DNA. And yeah, you were like, it was amazing. And at the end of it, like, I remember It was a good thing that John Lord died. Uh, (laughs) You know, if there was a time. Obviously, it was a terrible thing. But yeah, like, you'll also recall that Marty gave me nothing. Nothing. There was no attempt to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was affected by it I don't know if you want to say a a a few words. What? And then, yeah, like, Craig takes the mic, kills it. And then at the end of it, like... Um, Marty was just like, all right, um, you still want to talk about Kiss? And Craig was like, no. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. It was some weird like mer- Kiss merchandising story or something like that. But yeah, John Lord was um, feeding in very much into Deep Purple being a proto like Spinal Tap, like they've got all the cliches covered. John Lord was uh, their organist. Um, and I actually remember reading probably as a kid from like the liner notes of the like the, spe- the deluxe edition of Machine Head, like what they were up to in the years since. And John Lord was, um, <laughs> what he'd been spending his time doing since like, you know, outside of Deep Purple was still trying to find the perfect way to combine classical music and rock. <laughs> so he used to put together like these big classical scores and he was basically doing Metallica's S&M about, you know, 15 years before that. So I knew about some of that stuff. He was a great, like he did lend a really interesting elements to the band that like a n- not a lot of other bands had like the doors had the organ but let's not get into that <laughs> that's not um, uh, instead not. though let's pick up the pace because i'm aware that yes, we're taking yeah, a long time to even get into the, the tip of the iceberg <laughs> in this top five uh, let's pick up the pace with my next selection which is a seven and a half minute long song
uh, number four for me in the songs about isolation, that is the incredible Wolf Parade, the absolutely amazing Wolf Parade. The song is Dinner Bells. It's taken from their debut album, Apologies to the Queen Mary, which is from 2005. And if you've never heard that album, listener, I'm begging you to listen to it this weekend or whenever did you listen to this podcast. Uh, I adore this band. This album is a big reason why. I went through a huge Wolf Parade phase in the mid 2000s, mid to late 2000s. I've seen them live about five or six times. I adore them. Um, they're probably not as high on my radar as they once were. It was a real love affair situation, but I do think that they're incredible. And when I go back to an album like this and a song like this, I'm blown away. So this is Dinner Bells. Um, a very, very sparse song, like very washed out. I don't know what it's literally about because there's not a lot of, you know, song meanings out there about it or too much d- description that way. And Wolf Parade kind of live in the abstract. But to me, listening to the song and listening to lyrics like, you know, uh, I've heard all your reasons, I've heard all your plans, I heard of your treasons and I've heard all your pleas and I've made friends with the hangman. So there'll be no more winter, there'll be no more spring and there'll be no more dinner bells left for you to ring. I just picture like a fucking a wartime, old wartime situation, this big stately yeah. manor that's falling apart part and like this snow is coming through the broken windows and it's just the end of something it's the end of you know relationships and peace or something and i just imagine that like it's pure desolation you know um yeah and the way that the music just builds and swarms and drowns is incredible it's full of distortion they're an indie band but they kind of play around with convention here and there they can be very poppy as well two vocalists that Spencer Krug you heard there um, Dan Bochner is the other one they're just a wonderful band with some amazing songs and that record in particular contains just classic after classic uh, including the song I'll Believe in Anything which is probably in my top five songs of all time by anybody they're a wonderful wonderful band they're so picturesque and I've seen them live if you ever get the chance to do it they're absolutely fucking brilliant and a song at Dinner Bells which is like kind of the centerpiece of the record it does genuinely take you somewhere else and it's not the most comfortable place but it's a hell of a fucking song and that's my number four I'm happy Happy to move on because I do want to pick up the pace. Cool. Um, I'm going to switch up the tone a little bit. And here's a song about like taking some glee, I guess, in this like isolated way of life. And it's also kind of a slice of satire, which is what you would expect from this particular artist. I want to live all alone in the desert. I want to be like Georgia unmistakably Warren Zevon there with Splendid Isolation. I think he's featured before, probably in the top five with um, Werewolves of London, I would assume. It's probably a lesser known one. And actually a a bunch of these selections I've gone for were um, slight kind of deep cuts and stuff. Uh, Deep purple deep cuts even. I was steering clear of like your Beatles, Eleanor Rigby's and stuff because it's just like that'll be a boring thing to talk about. This is much more interesting. Really great, amazing, interesting lyrics. Um... Chicago songwriter, really acerbic and witty and great. There's another, this is one where I'm just like, oh, where do I cut the clip? Because there's so many great like one-liners I kind of want to get in. There's a brilliant verse that goes, um, Michael Jackson and Disneyland don't have to share it with nobody else. Lock the gates, goofy, take my hand and lead me through the world itself. Um, and it kind of culminates, like it sounds very carefree and it's very persuasive with that like, great kind of harmonica hook and the buoyant acoustic guitar which is a bit like Dylan's 60s 
But then the final verse is just like, it's got to a point where he's like, I'm putting tinfoil up on the windows, lying down in the dark to dream. I don't want to see their faces. I don't want to hear them scream. It's like, well, this has taken a turn. And I guess nowadays the Michael Jackson, uh, you know, reference takes on a darker meaning. And it does have a darker meaning. I think he was looking at kind of isolation, probably from the Howard Hughes bent of just like the narcissism of isolating yourself and wanting to separate yourself from society. There's layers, there's a lot going on. It's quite a seductive song. Like, I kind of just want to take it at face value because I do think I'm kind of the person that like can get into a comfort zone of just like, I kind of like my own company. How are you, Dave, just with your own company? Could you quite happily just go full Howard Hughes I've gotten much better at it um, but I am also a walking contradiction who craves uh, social contact of course you know um, yeah. I'm forever you know hassling friends to hang out but uh, at the same time yeah no I, I have over the years I've gotten a lot better with it I did find it tough for a while I think it did, like I live with one person now and he's sound like everything's going everything's going good thankfully six months in um, nice. but I do, I would love to live on my own, uh, like like at some point, which of course is a pipe dream in this fucking horrendous uh, hellscape economy that we live in. But at the same time, no, 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 I love it. I, I love my own space. I love, I love chilling out. I love watching movies by myself with headphones on. Um, and it's not like, it, it's, it's, of course, you know, like, um, you know, I, I will forever talk on this show and, uh, about mental health and I mean, my own, you know, kind of crashes and such. And I'm having not a great time at the moment. And I'm not sure anybody is. It feels like there's something in the fucking air, but it's not necessarily a depressive thing. If anything, it can be a weird source of freedom. Like, you know, um, you know, if you're feeling bad, fine. But generally, isolation, I think, doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. I think the word itself, isolation on paper, looks negative as hell. Um, and yeah. obviously, it's taken on different contexts in the last few years for obvious reasons. And of course, you know, we like many of us got through an insane turbulent couple of years but also many people in the world did not and for various different reasons and like you know this is one of those things we all have to kind of live with and and, and recognize and you know sometimes you stop and you think about it you're like jesus that was fucked up but like at the same time i, I don't know i mean like i like i i i, I love where possible shutting off the world like that's what my next song is kind of about i think when we get okay. there but yeah i mean to answer your question in a roundabout way i mean i think it can take time, it can take life experience, but I think if you hit a point where you do actually enjoy your own company, even if you're having all kinds of fucking problems of self-loathing as I do, it's a weird contradiction, like I say, it can be heavy on the brain, but sometimes there's no cure, no no cure, no substitute, no better thing for a bad day than actually just being like, I'm just going to fucking sit here, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, with music as well, of course. I mean, like, I guess you're never fully alone if you're listening yeah. to great music or you whatever. You always throw on a podcast as well. You know, we're we're always here for you. Good podcasts are available, um, such as this one, of course. But yeah, um, you had me off on a tear there, Craig. I rambled. No, I like that. That was very interesting. Um, do you want to, that was kind of leading nicely into your next election, so we keep it rolling. Sure, yeah. And also love to Warren Zevon, <laughs> who was amazing. Um, but yeah, from one was. great Chicago songwriter to another for my number three. So, this is a Chicago songwriter called Gia Margaret. Maybe it's Margaret, I'm not entirely certain. I don't know that much about her. She's very independent. She only released two albums to date. This is a song called Smoke. It's taken from a record called There's Always Glimmer from 2018. 
And it's an incredibly sparse song in one sense. There's not that many words in it. It's only about three minutes long. But there are worlds conjured up in this one. And mm. uh, even the way it's, it's assembled is just stunning. Her voice, like at times you almost can't quite even make the lyrics out. But it appears to be about a couple who've moved in together. Um, and there's these lines like, you know, I'll never tell you I cried in the bathroom the first night we moved in and you went out to smoke. Reminded now... Uh, when you just spoke and it's you know in our bed is the kind of thing and you're like i don't know i i, I just I, I i listened to it a lot this week and i kind of wondered was it about feeling isolated despite being in some kind of quote-unquote idyllic yeah. situation and yeah. you know you're with the person that you love but actually you do need that space that i just spoke about maybe and like i just love that kind of detail that kind of incredible detail of i cried in the bathroom while you're outside and i'm not gonna tell you about it when it, this is supposed to be harmony, this is supposed to be utopia, this is supposed to be everything I've ever wanted, and you get everything you've ever wanted, and maybe it isn't. And again, this is me projecting, there's not a lot of words in this track, and there's every chance that, no, no, it's actually about living in a, a wonderful New York brownstone. I have a great life. I don't know. But I love the song. It I, didn't sound it. <laughs> no, but it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeously melancholic yeah, song, uh, like which shows the other side of isolation. So yeah, Gia Margaret, if you've never listened to her, she's really fucking good. She played, only put out two albums so far, and the last one was in 2020, so hopefully more stuff soon yeah thematically i, I really love that idea I, one song crossed my mind you know the nationals about today which is kind of that oh, thing of just man, like lying in bed and like <laughs> it's just such a great exercise in saying like using as few words as possible but really capturing that thing of just like i don't know what this other person right beside me is thinking i'm completely alone and uh, used incredibly in the film yeah. warrior by the way if you haven't seen that oh. Yes, so good. Oh, so good. When that last sequence kicks in and it starts off and it's the, the, the national, oh. like, oh, stop, come Man. on. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that, that was a great pick. Uh, any song that has some variation of like, I'm crying in the bathroom, for some reason that scenario is just like, oh, kills it, loves it. I, I love that for some reason. It's great detail. Uh, but I'm taking it from the bathroom, Dave, to the bedroom. Wow. It, it's not sexy. He's it's, back, folks. <laughs> Where every night is the same I play a dangerous game I keep pretending she's late And I sit and I wait Over there is a picture we took when I met her, my bride Sixty-six, the Walker Brothers in my room um, nearly went with a song of the exact same title from nearly exactly the same time, the Beach Boys in my room, which is Brian Wilson, of course, an absolute genius and, you know, famous recluse. Um, it's gorgeous harmonies on that one. It's a bit kind of, I don't know, saccharine or something. And this was, this is one that people probably won't know. It's very Walker Brothers. It's, you know, Scott Walker leading the charge and just like, the voice of God. The man could sing the phone book. Absolutely tremendous. Like uh, the lift to the chorus of this song and like lyrically, all he's doing is being like, yeah, over there, there's like a picture of your one and like there's some flowers over there. But like <laughs> the lift in the melody and the way he sings, so you're just like, this sounds like a war has just started. Yeah, um, totally. So good. And you've got those amazing bass lines that he would kind of perfect in his own solo stuff. And this is very much leading into themes he would um, 
delve into a little more in his own work. Um, it's an example of a kind of really great cover of a non-English language song, which they translated, which he would do a lot with obviously Jacques Brel um, in his solo career. It's a Chilean um, writer that kind of came up with this one. And it's kind of, it, it nods to that early rock and roll kind of teenage thing of just like, I'm stuck in my room and I'm like being a bit wistful and um, back before our phones as well. So like the lines are like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just staring at the wall thinking about how bad things are. Just uh, living in the moment, not a smartphone phone in sight, just like <laughs> just staring into my existential doom. Yeah, which <laughs> is tremendous. And if you want anyone singing about uh, existential doom, it should be Scott Walker. Oh, yeah. So this is one that's uh, like probably not hugely well known. I love the cinematic grandeur of it. The strings are great. It sounds like there's a mariachi band like just outside the room. It's class. It is class. Remind me of the title there, sorry. In My Room. The in Walker my room. Brothers. Walker Brothers. Lovely choice. Um... For me, next up on my songs by Isolation List, um, this song turns 15 this year. I think it is genuinely one of the single best songs I've ever heard in my life. And this song is about social isolation. is against me the track is thrash unreal it's from 2007 from the album new wave which was a breakthrough uh, hit of sorts for them laura jane grace the singer there um and this song is basically i mean you hear it in the lyrics there it's you know when people see the track marks on her arms she knows what they're thinking um yeah, i wish i could have gone into the chorus because the chorus is exceptional the song is a marching stomp as you can hear there it's so driving um the chorus like is the, like the, the the lyric is no mother ever dreams that her daughter's gonna gonna grow up to be a junkie no mother ever dreams that her daughter's gonna grow up to sleep alone now the word junkie of course is dehumanizing and i think in this context it's meant to be like speaking to people being judgmental about people with problems and just dismissing them and reducing them and this song is about someone who essentially never had a chance their cards were marked and they were never going to make it and that's the sad fact of life for a lot of people um and i've you know it's a shout along chorus and i've always thought it was that kind of amazing juxtaposition of a thing and i never you know like i mean please don't use the word junkie to describe people use the word addict if you have to but like i i don't think it's you know i think the song knows what it's doing um although i mean yeah. there's there's quite a sad kind of real life postscript to this one so laura jane grace the singer um her friend cc walker passed away and at the funeral cc walker's mother approached laura jane grace and asked if the song was about her daughter um even though laura had said it wasn't it was about you know kind of an idea i i so to speak but she actually said yes to the mother of, of the person who passed away because she thought that's what she wanted to hear but that wasn't ended up writing a song called because of the shame on the next record about it i've always yeah. thought that this song was in, like the definition of an anthem and i think it deals with people's prejudices in society and how we just fucking take one look at some people and decide that they're not human and to dress it up in this kind of unbelievably strong punk rock song that just lifts and lifts and lifts and lifts and lifts into this shout out chorus. I think it's amazing. Uh, I listened to it this week and I cried my fucking eyes out and I've actually never really thought of the song in this way before. I'm aware of what it's saying and the themes and the lyrics, but I never really thought about it in terms of next to the word isolation. And like when we were doing this top five, 
I just kind of, it, it, it almost came to me. It just kind of popped into my brain. And it was like, I think this does apply. And I found myself just listening to those, that section, that verse into the chorus over and over again, trying to figure out what part of the clip to cut because I really did want to get the chorus in there. And in the end, I was like, nah, but I, I was sitting here on Tuesday night, man. And I was just, my eyes were fucking flooding because I just, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I use the word empathy on the show all the time, but that's what this song is. Uh, I think it's a classic. Ooh. I think it's an amazing, amazing song. It works on the surface level, but there's so much more to it. So if you've never heard Thrash Unreal by Against Me, give it a go. It fucking rules. And it's sad, but it's hopeful in a weird way. Like it has that kind of duality in it, I think. I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, being ostracized or those feelings, I mean, whatever we've been talking about, like physical isolation and like romantic being cut off, but that is a whole different level of loneliness and solitude. Super powerful. Great choice. Well, I My, should say, sorry, like one last thing yeah, I would say, to kind of maybe like, I said it was hopeful there and maybe it isn't, but like just to kind of follow up on that, like I really am a sucker for songs about lost souls. I think there's just something incredible about, you know, and again, like like I say, Laura Jane Grey said it wasn't a bit of a specific person, but, you know, it's no surprise that somebody thought it was. I just think that there's so much in so much humanity in doing that, in writing a song. And I don't think you can fake it. I think if you do that and it's trite, it will always show up in the wash. Whereas a song like this, which, you know, is an anthem for doomed youth, it's an anthem for, 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 for people who just don't fucking make it. I think we need to have songs like that out there in the world. And this might be one of the best examples of that. So anyway, I've rambled enough now. Bye. <laughs> Uh, no, I do think like to me the the musicality and the kind of choices of like having this energized, hard delivery lends the hopefulness. If you took these lyrics and just had like you know acoustic ballad, it would yeah. feel a bit you know. But the energy that's it, it shot through it. It's taken power you know, back for that there. person. Right? Yes, like, that's what yeah, I want to think it of it as. You know, and like fine, yeah, you know, like some main... agency, a sense of agency there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you very nice. <laughs> Yeah, so my my next one is actually about um, it's it's flipping it slightly. It's it's about solidarity. It's about isolation. But the artist is reaching out and saying, actually, if you've got music, you're not alone. Here it is. And afraid. Open up. This is a ray. I wanna get it through to you. You're not alone. It's Mavis Staples from about a decade ago. Bit of a new discovery for me. Um, a song idea that be, could be like tremendously trite and the kind of thing I would run from. But lyrically, it's so on point and her delivery is tremendous and it's totally believable. And I got choked up listening to it. I think it's, it's really, really strong. Penned by Jeff Tweedy of Wilco, who apparently has done like two or three albums with Mavis Staples. Um, there's been a bit of a kind of like Rick Rubin, Johnny Cash relationship going on where he's like, been like, okay, I want to get you back to your roots, get you covering stuff that you used to love, reworking tracks, and here's some kind of new stuff as well. And Jeff Tweedy for me is probably one of the best modern writers who can deal with isolation, loneliness, um, there were so many options from his own bands that I could have picked, but this was the one that kind of really worked because I love, first of all, I love that line, open up, this is a raid, just being like kind of grabbing someone and being like, no, no, we're right here. We're in the same boat. We're all isolated. Particularly, I think people that are drawn to creative stuff and music and are maybe a bit more sensitive um, than others. And that kind of conduit 
like the song itself can be the thing that's kind of pulling you together. Jeff Tweedy's talked about that as well. Um, he said the song came out of a conversation with Mavis where he like had this, he was talking about his theory that like all music is basically the same thing. It's basically saying the same thing that you're not alone. Even a kid in his room listening to the most abrasive punk rock or heavy metal, what they're really getting out of it is we're in this with you. Somewhere deep down there's a communication happening that's sustaining. So after we talked, I thought that'd be a good song to try and record for this record. Maeve Staples said, yeah, it's one of my favourite things that I've ever recorded. She just lost her father. Um, the Staples singers, her old group, kind of, she was the last member standing around about that point and she was feeling quite isolated and it reinvigorated her. Uh, so yeah, just uh, we're delving into that collaboration, and we'll forgive her collaborating with Hosier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered, dreadful, dreadful song. Nina dreadful, dreadful song. Yeah. The worst fucking video. I wondered if um, I wondered uh, if she would escape censure there, but no, 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 no. We can't I'm petty till the end. We can forgive, but we can't forget. Uh, no, that's gorgeous, and I love the sentiment of it all because like, I was thinking even during the week, like not necessarily directly in tune with the top five theme, but. I just found myself listening to stuff like Nine Inch Nails and Slipknot and Dillinger Escape Plan and Converge and all Dave's usuals. But I was just like, you know, like I was flashing back to like when I was a teenager and like Slipknot and listened to them, Lincoln Park, all that kind of stuff and just being like, fuck, man. It was like, don't get me wrong. I knew at the time that I loved this. I knew at the time that this was there for me, but I have a new appreciation for it. You're just like, this really was there for me, you know, in the way yeah, that people yeah. find musical touchstones and cling to them like family. You're just like if I didn't have this, then what would I have had? You know, it's just like, there's such a, and that's again, like, you know, teenage hood or whatever the fuck, you know, that can be a very isolating time. And I, you know, I remember listening to this kind of stuff and just being like, not really kind of getting beyond the surface of it, just feeling all kinds of angst and shit. But I was just like, Jesus, no, it's like, it's so important. I think to recognize that like when you have that, when you develop an actual relationship with music, because that's what it is. And that's why I love that. I love the thing of like, you're not, truly alone if you have music that's so fucking beautiful like I love that yeah. and what the fuck did they do in like the 1850s <laughs> they had um, medieval taverns <laughs> wandering minstrels yeah. yeah yeah Richie Blackmore <laughs> in a different incarnation would rock up with Crystal Knight and yeah exactly um, in fairness all this leads me perfectly to my number one it's probably a bit of an obvious okay. selection but it has to be um, and all of those feelings all of those emotions are I think distilled into this and carried admirably by an artist who themselves I think has felt isolated from time to time but has been very very forthright over the years in showcasing their emotions so here's my number one the little bit of sadness in me scotty i've got some issues that nobody can see and all of these emotions are pouring out of me i bring them to the life in you it's only right this is it is, of course, Kid Cudi. How do I forget about him? Of course, Cudi. You should be like the entire pa- top five. <laughs> Patron saint of the show, Kid Cudi, soundtrack to my life. Uh, I, I think I listen to this song every day, um, as I listen to so much by him. I think we've waxed lyrical enough about Cudi without me kind of giving a primer, but like an artist who is regularly told... Cody saved my life. You know, like this is the thing that actually has become almost a bit of a meme or something, but that's the level of his reach and the level of his honesty and what people have taken from his music. And I myself am among those people. I I will never stop talking about Kids See Ghosts and how that album genuinely just hit me like a lightning bolt. But it goes beyond that. It's like individual tracks like this, records like Man on the Moon. I mean, 
a few people wear it on their sleeve like yeah. Kid Cudi does. Um, I think he's a fucking angel. And I guess at the time this was kind of revolutionary. This is like around 2009 and he's laying sure. it all out there. He's laying it all bare in the in the world of hip hop. And, you know, he's just saying, this is who I am. These are my problems. These are like, you know, I've got issues that no one else can see and all of these emotions come pouring out of me. It's just, it's incredibly fucking naked and it's beautiful. And it's, you know, I, I will never skip this song. I will never feel I'll, I'll never take the song for granted i will always be appreciative of that and he has so many others he has so many other songs like this and again you talk about forces for good in the music world and people who can really kind of come along and just pick you up you know i sound like a deranged fan now but he's amazing and actually i did see this week he's announced a world tour there is of course no fucking irish date but he is playing london craig oh let's do it Road trip. We gotta go. Fucking let's go. Yeah, I'd be up for that. I'd well, yeah. be up for that. I love you, Kid Cudi. <laughs> let's bring us on. Because again, like you know, I want to close on a hopeful note. I mean, like, and this is about being crushed by your problems, but also about finding a way out. Um, oh yeah, Kid Cudi gave support. that way out to so many people, and you know, continues to do so. So again, music can be the greatest when you're in that kind of space. Perfect uh, yeah, choice. I hope th- we're top five in a way. I hope it was. Um, you know, I know you got one to go, but I know, mm. like for me anyway, it was very. Um, wide-ranging more than I thought it would be. What's your number one? Yeah, so I'm just like, we've done, We've had a couple of songs now that are hopeful and, you know, saying, well, actually, do you know what? You're not, I'm, I'm just going all in on my number one. It's like the definition of lonesome. It's like, there's no hope. There's no love. Even around people, there's nothing happening, but it's a gorgeous song. So it has Is to it be my number division? one. No, 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 it's not that bleak. <laughs> bleak in a different way. <laughs> Voices fill the air Maybe there's someone waiting for me With a smile and a flower in her hair I'm going downtown where there's people My loneliness hangs in the bit of a downer sorry guys we're heading in the right direction and then i roll out the richard holly cole's corner song about a a romantic meeting place that didn't exist at the by the time he wrote this song the girl he's talking about doesn't exist it's just wishful thinking i nearly picked loves alone again or which is absolutely gorgeous and it's kind of a similar thing but in that song there's actually conversations with people and there's a real girl and in this it's just like Based in Sheffield, so already you're off to a grim start. Um, <laughs> Richard Holly is Scotland, Sheffield, he's coming for you all, guys. Love a bit of Sheffield. Some tremendous artists from Sheffield. Um, Arctic Monkeys, Jarvis Cocker. Um, Sean Bean. Sean Bean, tremendous. Yeah, yeah, great place. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, great club. Uh, Richard Holly <laughs> previously played with Jarvis Cocker. He was also in, like, Britpop also runs Long Pigs, but his, his solo records are really great. He taps into that, you know, Roy Orbison strain, I guess. There's a bit of Wichita Lyman about this as well. Just very swoony. Um, the strings are gorgeous. I adore his voice. And there's something about that sentiment of just like, it's kind of the desperation of like, you feel he's getting out of the house and he doesn't have a plan and he's not meeting anyone, but he just needs to be in the vicinity of people. 
and he's just like, maybe something will happen this night, but nothing ever happens. It's it's quite Morrissey. It's like a it's like an unproblematic Morrissey pick. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just it got me thinking about like like local pubs and leaks up or whatever, and you'd you'd go out and meet mates, and there'd be like regulars who would come out on a Friday night and just like be slightly older and kind of sit alone and just want to be around people but not talk to people and there's a lot of people out there that just need some human contact and they get it by proxy and it's a sad way to live but there's a kind of beauty in just that it, oh my god I've gone full in pain there's a beauty <laughs> I want to take the beauty Dave from the pain. you can take the beauty you can take okay. the pain I've gone full in pain let's wrap it up it's a great song it's Cole's Corner <laughs> That's it's a gorgeous show. song. It's a gorgeous song. And actually, one thing I will say before we wrap up is, uh, when I heard it there, I was like, this could have made the top five alternative Bond themes, maybe. Oh, yeah, the strings. Yeah, it's very swoony. It's very like an end credits one where, like, you know, something bad happens. Like, you know, someone dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good show. Uh, Judy Dench goes out. Uh, spoilers for spoilers Skyfall there for from Skyfall. 10 years ago. <laughs> like, everything I was spoiled on the show, like, like you spoiled the OC, I spoiled, uh, what was it earlier on? I can't remember, but... Um, um, it was all, Harry Potter. Harry Potter and the Goblet <laughs> yeah. Fire, yeah, and Skyfall. Uh, yeah, you didn't think you were going to get that, did you? On the music podcast, did you? I've yeah, ruined people's weekends with these hot new films. So what can I say? Uh, Robert De Niro dies at the end of Heat, of course. Fucking hell. Film, film, film from 95. We reference it all the time. Oh, we <laughs> like, do. It's so good. Jesus, Don't let that, that film... put you off, though. Oh, I also um, acquired by um, Nefarious Means Thief, which I've never seen, but I'm going to watch oh, this weekend. Oh, it's so fucking good? good. Yeah, it looks perfect from the trailer, so I'm like, yes. It's great. Is, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's my James weekend. James Khan doing his thing. And we did our thing, ladies and gentlemen, all under the watchful eyes and ears of the incredible, the amazing, uh, and you're never isolated if you got this guy around. It's so Adam true. Janahan, Sonic Architect to the Stars. Make Adam happy by following us on Instagram. Instagram, <laughs> no on, at No Encore Show, of course. And it's uh, patreon.com slash No Encore. If you want to help support the show, go the extra mile. We'll have a new no ox cord in the next couple of weeks. And uh, just tell people about the show if, uh, if you like the show. We don't spoil films every week. But Craig, you're back. You're back in business. I'm delighted to have you back. back. And thanks to everyone who stepped up to the mic and guest co-hosted in recent weeks. Royal Yellow, Cullen Regan, Fanilla Jones. Um, But I'm glad to have my buddy back. And you seem good. You seem better. You know, I hope hope it's been okay for you. This has enlivened me. It's great being back, seeing your faces and uh, having the chats. So let's do it all again next week. Yeah, let's do it again next week. We should start a show or something, like make yeah. it like a regular thing. All right, my name is Dave Hanrowdy. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And we're going to be back next week. See you. Bye. Whoa, whoa. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.